Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. If I could have one superpower, it would be to be able to profusely sweat like Michael Irvin on television and keep my TV job perna. It's the resolve. It's the mental. It's the intestinal fortitude. The togetherness that you sold yesterday. Do you, have, do you have any idea? You sold that. Tell me, tell me. Every drop of Michael Irvin's sweat seen here represents an instance when Stephen A. Smith has been wrong about the NFL. Irvin was a very happy Cowboys fan today, and by contrast, I have found the saddest Eagles fan on planet Earth. I talk stuff, I thought we had it, but it goes to show you who's a better team, and I'm sticking Cowboys. You're, you're crying. I'm hurt. I love my Eagles, I don't believe it. You gonna flap the hat one more time for the Eagles for the hard fight they did? Let's go, birds, fly, Eagles. Being an NFL fan to a team that loses an important game to a division rival after your coach guarantees a win is the hardest job on earth. I don't care what coal miners, oil rig workers, or veggie burger taste testers say. Realizing your team sucks is harder than anything any of you do. I've got all of the NFL late games, Sunday night football, and more Vrabel mustache fingering to discuss. Let's get sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering blue wire at checkout plus free shipping that's indochino.com promo code blue wire for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more an incredible deal for made to measure clothing you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit unless you put on like 30 pounds of mass gain overnight that's a good excuse The Chargers will always find a way to lose, this time to the Titans 23-20. Welcome back to the NFL, Ryan Tannehill and Cody Parkey, the dream team. Parkey did hit his first field goal as a Titan on his first attempt since the infamous double doink that he has surely put behind him. Uh, Off the post, it's a doink. Doink king. Tannehill played pretty well. Not incredible, except when he threw lasers to Corey Davis and only Corey Davis, but just what the Titans needed out of a quarterback. He moved the ball, picking up 312 yards on 29 attempts and throwing two touchdowns and just one pick. Perhaps what we all failed to realize about Ryan Tannehill for all of these years is that he played for the fucking Dolphins. And here's a cool story. Titans rookie defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL during the pre-draft process back in February. Tennessee took him in the first round anyway. 
knowing he wouldn't be back until the middle of the season. In his debut, he notched four sacks, sorry, that would be incredible, four tackles, two for a loss, and one sack on Phillip Rivers. Simmons was six when Rivers was drafted and had just a measly five children. Now, I will never understand why, when you have a big, powerful back like Derrick Henry in the backfield, you choose to QB sneak it over handing it off to him on fourth and inches. That's what the Titans did with two and a half minutes left in the game with the three-point lead. That gave the ball back to the Chargers, which set up the Chargers-iest way to lose a game of all time. First play, Austin Eckler catches a pass over the middle and appears to cross the goal line for a Chargers touchdown and win. It was called the touchdown, but then overruled by replay. Next play, Melvin Gordon runs for what is called a touchdown and a Chargers victory that gets overturned by replay again. Surely the third time's a charm. Third play, handoff, Gordon. He looks like he's in and he loses the ball. Titans recover and the game is over. That also got reviewed. Not overturned. Chargers still lose. It turned out Melvin Gordon lost the ball right before hitting the goal line and Jarrell Casey recovers the fumble in the end zone. I do feel a little bit bad that Melvin Gordon held out for nothing. He can't even hold onto the ball now. And he has the most unfortunate tweet hanging around on the internet. Huge win for Tennessee and Mike Vrabel's sweet, sweet mustache. And per the community tab, this week's featured game, Ravens, Seahawks. Ravens win 30-16. And I have to say, the more I pay attention to Lamar Jackson, the more I really like him. His enthusiasm for the game is contagious. And the good kind of contagious from a quarterback. Not the bad kind. Sorry, Sam Darnold. Sick bastard. Yeah, I had to change my cleats, and I had to change back to my originals. Um, that turf sucked to me. It, it was high, um, then the rain didn't help. You know, I'm steady sliding and stuff, and it was ticking me off. Like, I was running slow, I'm getting caught by the linebackers. I'm like, I gotta go back to my originals, because ain't no way. <laughs> Can't get caught by no linebackers. Jackson wasn't lying or exaggerating about the cleats. This is him sliding with the bad cleats. And here he is burning past Bobby Wagner in the fourth quarter. More like Bobby Wagons. Hey Bobby, might want to head south. See you on the Oregon Trail, Bobby Wagons. I don't think Lamar will ever be a consistent passer in the NFL though. And I don't mean that as a knock, it's just not the way he plays the game. And I am fine with the way he plays the game. He completed just 45% of his passes and threw for 143 yards, but he's always going to bring his ability to make defenders look like rheumatoid arthritis spokesmen to the game. Against Seattle, he rushed for 116 and a touchdown. As a Broncos fan, stuck with Joe Flacco now, I wish Denver would have drafted Lamar Jackson fourth overall in 2018. The Ravens' future should be bright in the passing game once Hollywood Brown gets healthy, and if their other rookie, the six foot four Miles Boykin, can develop into a jump ball machine, like I assume all six foot four receivers should do, facing 5'11 corners every week. The Ravens' defense produced two touchdowns, which is key, I think, for their postseason success, and also for this game, because without those two touchdowns, it would have been a 16 to 16 tie. The thing I hated about those Ravens defensive touchdowns is none of them were by Earl Thomas, which leads me to the best football observation I have ever seen that wasn't made by me by Dan Morse underscore on Twitter. 
Russell Wilson's three career pick sixes have gone against a king, a prince, and a captain. And he plays an earl this Sunday. And just like in royalty power rankings, an earl is still the lowest. Better watch out for Duke Dawson, Russ. Now Chris Carson trucked Earl Thomas, which is running back speak for welcome the fuck back to Seattle. The Baltimore defense held Chris Carson, though, to just 65 rushing yards and zero TDs, an impressive achievement considering Carson rushed for over a hundo each of the last three weeks. Marcus Peters got traded on Tuesday and then promptly pick six to man. That again has thrown just three career pick sixes. The Ravens wanted Peters specifically for this game and it paid off right here. Unfortunately, for the royalty power rankings, a Peters is only considered a nobleman in the porn industry. A huge turning point in this game was when John Harbaugh took his field goal team off the field with the game tied in the third quarter. They converted on fourth down and then Lamar Jackson rushed for the TD. Baltimore reeled off 17 straight, adding on another defensive touchdown by Marlon Humphrey. All my questions about this Ravens team have been with their defense. If they keep growing from here as a unit, they should be considered the second best team in the AFC, a position so open right now behind New England, even Baker Mayfield could spot it. The Saints continue to win 36-25 over the Bears. Fox produced this stunning shot of downtown Chicago, the perfect metaphor for the Bears playoff chances disappearing into the cloud atlas. A movie as bad as the Bears offense. Two of the best quarterback stories in the league right now are Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater. Jacoby's 14 touchdowns is the most for a QB who has already had their bye week, and Teddy's 9 TDs and 1 pick have him undefeated as a starter this season. Now, I was a Saints fan. I've always loved Drew Brees, except when he played for those disgusting Chargers, but when I saw a couple Saints defenders taunting Tariq Cohen because he's short, you fuck crevices shot all the way down to the bottom of my shit list. Still above the Patriots, but way down there. I'll tolerate a lot of crap here. Sexism, racism, religionism, baldism, body shaming, nerd bashing, ageism, baby hating, babysitterism, foodism, handicapism, alcoholism, drug abuse, and much, 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 much more. But when I see someone being harassed for being height challenged, it makes me sick. You are the lowest of the low saints. You don't deserve that name either. Mother Teresa, now that's a saint, and she wouldn't give you a reach around if that were the one and only way to prove God's existence after that putrid display of unsportsmanship. Now the Saints, uh, they blocked a punt, but instead of them recovering it for a touchdown, punter Pat O'Donnell saves Five points by swatting it out of the back of the end zone. Easily the best play by a Pat in the NFL this season. And the best work we've seen from an O'Donnell since Batman Forever. The Saints extended their lead with the Josh Hill touchdown. And he may look like a tight end now, but he still has blazing speed and a face for the silver screen. I'm talking about Corderell Patterson starring in a touchdown return that was apparently directed by John Woo. This is what happens if you put an action soundtrack over that play.
Pirogues aside, the Bears got their asses handed to them at home, creating the bizarre stat that they've lost their last six games after the bye. I guess Matt Nagy didn't learn all of Andy Reid's secrets. Maybe just the secret menu at In-N-Out. An even more bizarre stat for the Bears, they recovered two onside kicks in a row and still lost. Taysom Hill mormoned his way into the end zone in the third quarter, capping off another great Teddy Bridgewater drive. Then, trailing 36-10, Mitch Trubisky padded some stats with a couple late touchdown passes that did nothing but make the game look closer than it appears. Like a rearview mirror in a car that's about to swerve off the freeway, killing 10 other passengers it pretends to lead every Sunday. Eagles get crushed by the Cowboys 37-10. This was a huge game for Philly. Doug Peterson said on the radio that he guaranteed a victory and then kind of walked it back in a press conference. Bad move, Dougie. If you lose, you look stupid for guaranteeing a victory. If you win, you look stupid for walking back your prediction. You only play a tie, which is really hard to accomplish when you can't even motivate your wide receivers to slightly extend their arms for a catch. Nelson Aguilar better learn a lot about camera lenses and blame them for depth of field because this appears to be the sorriest effort of not doing this motion I've witnessed since William Jackson and the Bengals refused to push Le'Veon Bell out of bounds in 2017. Philly fumbled on their first two possessions, leading to a Tavon Austin touchdown run from 20 yards out where Orlando Scandrick's head was still on the screen, and then a goal line touchdown from Zeke the Freak, Elliott. The Eagles got back into it, taking advantage of a late hit when Wentz found Dallas Godert in the end zone. Yep, a Dallas scores in Dallas quite unlike what happened during my trip to Brandon, Mississippi. I went there for two reasons, to scout Gardner Minshew and for the loose women. All I found were Minshew's used jock straps and enough Confederate memorabilia to make even the store owner in Pulp Fiction uncomfortable. I am never going back. The Cowboys got a tight end touchdown of their own from Blake Jarwin who is more wide open than the gooch when Brett Maher lines up for 60-plus yard kicks, which, oh yeah, Brett Maher hit another 60-yarder last week from 62 yards, this time from 63 to end the half. And by the way, just a note to the broadcasters who talk about Matt Prater's Broncos 64-yarder like he kicked it on the moon. It was three degrees that day in Denver. You try kicking a rock 64 yards. The Cowboys averaged over five yards per carry in this game, turned the ball over just once, and forced four Eagles takeaways. Dallas ends their three-game losing streak to climb back over 500, while the Eagles fall to three and four, and Doug Peterson has to live with the embarrassment of wearing a visor indoors and knowing he broke this man's heart. Thanks for watching That's Good Sports. Please subscribe here on YouTube. I don't think I can ask any more kindly than that. Eh, anybody who makes it this far is already subscribed. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Perna if you want to follow me there. And make sure you follow at WillKey6. He helps me write football videos here worth a tweeter, tweeter follow. However you do your stuff. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.